Welcome to the Faith in the Messy Middle podcast. I'm your host, Jenny, a regular Jesus-loving girl, just like you, trying to figure out how to keep the faith in the messy moments of life. Ever find yourself thinking, man, wouldn't it be great if God gave us a user's manual to get through life? I believe he does, through his word and the stories of others. On each episode, I'll be chatting with women who have gone through some very messy middle moments and have kept faith by their side. It is my hope and prayer that in hearing his word and their stories, we will grow in our relationship with God and be reminded of his immense love for us, that we'll be able to keep the faith as we continue to walk through this messy thing called life. Welcome back to episode four. I'm so excited for you guys to listen to our guest today. This woman has been in my life for, gosh, what, third? No, 15, 16 years? 16 years, I think it is. She's been in my husband's life for way longer than that. When we actually first met, she wasn't sure that I was going to be her friend, and I decided that we were going to be friends. (laughs) And I'm so thankful that she eventually agreed to that. My guest today is Amanda Williams. Like I said, really got to know each other uh, back in college. We were in a small group together and I started dating her best friend, who's now my husband, Mark. And our friendship has just grown and we have gone through a lot of ups and downs of life together, all sorts of seasons. And um, I am so thankful for where we are now. And I know that wherever we go in the future, that God's going to be with us and that we're here for one another. I asked Amanda to come on today to talk about a diagnosis that she has. And when she was first diagnosed with this, it wasn't something that she greeted with a smile on her face, as most probably don't. I have watched her grow through this, and I am just honored that she is willing to share her story with you guys today. And I know that it's going to bring hope to those of you that are struggling through a similar diagnosis. So without further ado, Amanda, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, hello. Jenny is right. We weren't so sure about being best friends early on. I've known her husband for 20 plus years. Jenny is one of my nearest and dearest friends at this point in life and so grateful for where we are. I am a military wife of 14 years and have four busy children and I homeschool. Life is busy. Yes, she definitely is constantly on the go. She does such a great job of keeping the kids involved in different things as well as getting all their schooling done. And she's also recently become a chicken mom. So she (laughs) added that to her plate as well, which I'm a little bit jealous of, especially with the price of eggs right now. So Amanda, will you go ahead and tell us a little bit about the messy middle you found yourself in a few years ago? Definitely not something you plan for in the midst of what should be super exciting news. My husband and I finally found out we were expecting baby number one 11 years ago. Halfway through my pregnancy, I got a great phone call that I needed to come to the hospital to find out that my blood sugar was sky high. And so that ended up being a five-day stay in the hospital to try and figure out what was going on. Won't bore you with all the details of that. She came out a perfectly beautiful, tiny baby girl. We resumed life as we thought that this should go away. And a year later, they said, "Hmm, this is not going away. You are now a type 1 diabetic. So that changed life drastically because I didn't have a clue what that meant. And I didn't know that meant changing the way that you eat and the highs and lows of blood sugar and what that means for your personality. (laughs) Um, There was lots of panic when there's low blood sugar and lots of anger when there's high blood sugar or both. 
you never really knew what to expect. So at a newborn that you don't know what to expect, along with blood sugar that you don't know what to expect, I got a lot of anxiety and a lot of, I have no idea what I'm doing. They gave us the typical like worst case scenario at diagnosis, all the things that could go wrong with the baby, me being the person that I am immediately dove into how to prevent all of that. And almost to a perfectionist zone, which I am not in any way, shape, or form a perfectionist, the idea of it damaging my baby made me that way. It was change the way I eat, change the things that I do, try to make everything perfect with massive meltdowns when it didn't happen. After the first, I lost a ton of weight because I didn't know how to manage this disease. Literally, I looked anorexic and not intentionally. So talk about self-image issues. They were all there. Quite frankly, people are rude. (laughs) And I literally had one person who was like, "Uh, why are you so skinny? How do you have this chunky baby and you're so skinny? (laughs) Well, (laughs) it's not my fault. (laughs) There's nothing I can do about it. Fairly newly married, like three years, new baby, new diagnosis, hot mess. Baby two, a really great endocrinologist who said, um, no, you need to find a balance because you need to eat normal and still do the things that you need to do. Basically have grace on yourself, which I didn't know how to do. (laughs) Fast forward, had baby number three. That was a much harder pregnancy as far as the diabetes went and still not in a good place mentally with all of it because it's ridiculously challenging to live the normal life I lived pre-diabetic where I could be carefree and go do whatever I want whenever I wanted to now having to think, do I have everything for my kids plus all of my own diabetic supplies that I need to walk out the door with to not have a panic attack if something happened? I did not handle that gracefully on most days. It made things really difficult in marriage and difficult with the kids because I would be short and snappy for blood sugar reasons, uh, because you don't know when they're going to happen. And it's not something they understood. And so that was really hard. It made me feel like I was a bad mom. And how do you navigate all of these things? And should I have done something differently? You question everything. That was not any idea of what I dreamt my motherhood would be like. I was going to be the fun mom that did all the things and was able to handle them because I had babysat everybody's kids in my life growing up. And that was a piece of cake, not the cake. And I will say for the record, Amanda is a fun mom. I will also say that as humans, it's very easy for us to focus on all the things that we're doing wrong instead of all the things that we are doing right. I know because I got to be on the sidelines of watching Amanda have all of these babies and work through these ups and downs of juggling a military move and then a deployment and then a baby and then more diabetic issues. She is the fun mom. And there are those ups and downs too with the diabetes as well. So Jenny hit the nail on the head there. It's the highs and the lows. It's the hills and the valleys that got me where I am today. So God is walked through us the hills and the valleys. And that was one of the key verses in Psalms 23, four, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil for you are with me. And a lot of people focus more on the valley of the shadow of death. And they skip over the part where it says God is with us. 
it didn't connect until here just recently that he's the God of the hills and valleys, just like my diabetes has hills and valleys. It has highs and low blood sugars. And it hit me that he doesn't want our attention only when we're on the mountaintop or only when we're at the bottom. He wants us to be consistently relying on him. And it's the same with diabetes. I can't just notice it when my numbers are great. And I can't just notice it when my numbers are low because I need to be consistent with my routine. And that in itself is a discipline that is so hard because it's so easily to get distracted by the kids or by the busy life or by having fun that when I don't give it the attention I need, I hit rock bottom or I hit a high and that takes forever to come off of. They're consistent and they're one and the same. And I just put this analogy together where it's like, oh, there's there's God in that. There's God in that messy middle. He wants us to rely on him just as much as my blood sugar needs me to rely on it to keep life stable. It literally could be the valley of the shadow of death if I just ignore this and live life as carefree as I want to. But I prefer to live it the way God wants and that way I'm there to see my kids grow old. And I don't understand why God said, hey, you can handle this because most days I hate it. I don't want to handle it. But for some reason, he thinks I can. And so in that, I have to trust that he's going to walk with me through this to get to the finish line. And so I'm not going to finish every day well. But I don't have to finish every day well. I just have to finish the long race well. It was God's reminder of, I've got you and you can do things that you put your mind to because I'm going to help you walk through this. It's kind of like that, don't give up. There's a valley and there's hills, but you just keep walking one step in front of the other. How was it handling diabetes with the fourth go round um, and postpartum? Because from your perspective, how do you feel from baby number one, where it was like, what's happening? What's going on to now baby number four with diabetes? What does that look like this time? There, were, That was a really a season of prayer to even get there. Four years after we thought we were having done having kids, we had another one. All of the doctors and all of the statistics that say diabetics should not have kids. I was out to prove wrong. <laughs> I didn't want diabetes to be the reason that I didn't get to do that because I wasn't healthy enough or I didn't take care of myself. And it was kind of like a God, okay, are we selfishly wanting this? Is this what you're wanting us to walk through? Because baby number three postpartum was horrible. So we went into it. Doctors said, your diabetes is under control. You like, we have no issue with it if that's the route you choose. Little did we know that halfway through that pregnancy, the baby was going to get a diagnosis. And that's a whole nother messy middle story. God really walked through us with that whole pregnancy where I could have really like sat in the valley through all of that. But because I had seen his faithfulness through everything and with where my sugars were and the way things were aligning, the doctors were all pleased, like it was all okay. And it was like God's redemptive story of like, you really can do anything you put your mind to and you put your trust in God. I feel as watching you with this, with this last pregnancy and postpartum, you have truly learned how to give yourself grace 
and to also prepare your your kids as well as yourself for there's going to be those highs and lows. Poor Cora, my oldest, as as her growing up toddler, she probably saw me lose it so many times because she didn't understand what was going on. And now fourth kid in, I've learned to kind of prep them when we're going to go do something. If this happens, this is what needs to happen from you. Like mom is not trying to get upset or to get anxious. It never fails. If I take all of my children to the grocery store, my blood sugar drops. I don't know what it is, but it happens. And then it's an immediate like, it's time to go. So a lot of times all I have to do is say, hey, mom's blood sugar is dropping and we got to go. They also know now like, hey, mom, do you need some candy? Um, I've made myself be much more open mom's having a bad sugar day. If I'm really short, I'm sorry. Parents need to understand it's okay to tell your kids that you're sorry and that you're going to lose it because they need to see that. So we're not always telling our kids, oh, you need to apologize for this or that. They see us acting that out. And I'm the first to be like, guys, I screwed this up today. Mom's blood sugar is off the wall. And I just need to take a step back or mom needs a mom timeout. I'm going to go to my room and get this under control. And then I will be back. But a lot more grace with myself overall and learning like, okay, I am going to go out with friends and I'm going to eat chips and salsa and it's going to get high and it's going to be fine. And there's not those freak out moments of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. And part of it is I think I have more grace when I'm not pregnant because I'm then not responsible for like (laughs) how it's affecting the baby. It's also like a learning curve. Like the one endo says, it's balanced. I think that's probably one of the biggest changes from baby one to baby four, that learning process of going, you know, not everything is a dire emergency. Yeah, I think that's really, really key what you said, even for people without diabetes to to take a moment and say, no, I'm choosing to be present in this moment and not let anxiety or not let whatever that other thing is steal the joy from this moment. If you're comfortable sharing, I would like for you to share, how has your marriage changed from initial diagnosis of diabetes to where you guys are today? (laughs) That's a loaded question. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Um, You know, we got married and I didn't have diabetes. And so, you, you know, you're a young married couple and life is normal. Being spontaneous and going on trips or, you know, wherever you want to go, whenever you want to go, doing things you want to do whenever you want to do them. You, you don't have extra things to think about. It got to the point where he wouldn't surprise anything. And so it took this piece away from us where his excitement to plan and do was killed because he knew I would going to freak out about it. And so we've had to have those hard conversations of what does that look like now? So that a way I don't freak out and totally ruin the fun thing that he had planned because I was notorious for that. Like, please don't plan me fun things because I don't know what my blood sugar is going to do. So it's just been kind of like me having to go, okay, don't steal his joy just because I get uncomfortable. It's kind of like we're finally hitting this sweet spot now where we're able to start going out on dates more and going back to the way that things were for a brief period of time having a a pump attached to you at all times and sensors attached to your arms and your body and dealing with the self-image of basically having what I call the ugly stepchild attached to you 24-7. I didn't know you called it that. (laughs) I Yes, it's absolutely the redheaded stepchild that I never It doesn't have to be redhead. Sorry. (laughs) 
not not redhead, but I mean, it does get angry at me and beats a lot. <laughs> I, I get that. It, then redhead's fine. <laughs> Nothing to like stepchildren. You know, it's just that thing that like I was not prepared for. It's not what I asked for. That awkward staring piece in the room. You're hoping it's just you and your husband behind closed doors and then this other thing hanging from your body. Thankfully, I have a really patient, a very patient and understanding husband. He is definitely the mild one out of us two. uh, Because everything to me is extreme all the time. It was more of a struggle for me where he could care less if there's plastic there or not. Like if there's a tube hanging and whatever. To him, it didn't change who I was. It only changed to me who I was. Well, now I have this awkward thing that makes noises in the way. So we've had to navigate, like, what does that look like? What can we do to get back to that place where we're having fun again and not let diabetes ruin that? Um, And so a lot of times even like, I'll just unhook the pump sometimes and like, I need a day where I'm not thinking about this and I'll go back and give myself a shot just so I can say, I'm free game. Like, let's do whatever and let's just have a day where... That thing's not beeping at me and I don't have to think about it. Like, yeah, it's still somewhere in the back of my mind, but it's not the annoying beep right up front. Mm -hmm. Again, it's not you letting it steal the joy of the moment with your husband or your family. Another question I would love for you to share if you're comfortable is how has your image of your body changed from initial diagnosis to where you are today? Um, it's a, season of ups and downs, I would say. Um, I would say for any woman, honestly. Right. Absolutely. Um, Definitely from the beginning when I didn't know how to handle diabetes and I was at that like skinny, ridiculous weight that I couldn't figure out how to manage that. Like you would not have found me in a bathing suit at that point in life because I didn't want to see myself. I have one picture that I have when Cora was a baby. And it's like that reminder of where I used to be to where I am now. And I'm like, never going back there. But I'm at a comfortable place now where it's like, okay, like if I want to wear a bathing suit, I'm going to wear a bathing suit because I don't, I have three daughters. And so my image is more like, what am I portraying is okay to them instead of how do I feel right now? And so sometimes I'm not necessarily comfortable, but I'm going to put myself out there to show them that it doesn't matter what other people think, as long as you're comfortable with yourself, be you. Um, And I think that's such a hard place in the world that we live in because it's so easy to go get like the quickest injection or fillers or whatever it is that you want to do. For me, I, well, let's just be honest. I don't have boobs. Like you people can't see me, but it's a thing. Um, but at the same time, like that doesn't make who I am. And it was something that it really like has stuck recently. Like that doesn't define me. Like that's not the fun party. Like if you know me, you know, I'm fun. Um, that's who I am. Um, and so diabetes easily would steal all of that because it changed so much. And a lot of me not being able to put on weight is because of the diabetes and the way that it's made my body. Um, but being comfortable with it anyway. When I finally learned to focus on that and not what my body looks like, whether it's got plastic attached to it or not, um, 
it just is the bigger reminder, like, okay, God had a plan exactly for me to be able to show others like, Hey, it doesn't matter. Like everybody looks different. And so quit comparing yourself to what everybody else looks like and enjoy life the way I made you. Mm -hmm. I think there's so many lessons that God has taught you through this diabetes that I don't know that you would have learned if life hadn't thrown you this curveball. Absolutely. Um, So I, I know that there's been many moments when you are, are not happy with the diagnosis and the changes that it's caused, but I also think it's so incredible to see how you've grown in your faith as a result of it, because there's so many things like you've talked about that the only way you could have gotten through it was relying on God. I always go back to that same thing that the, my conversation with my mom, there are so many moments in our cancer journey as a family that I don't know we would have been as strong if we hadn't had that struggle to walk through. And I've watched you grow the same way with your diabetes diagnosis. If there are some practical tips or scriptures that you could give um, women who are recently diagnosed or family members of people who've been diagnosed with diabetes, what's something that you would want to share with them to help them walk through this messy moment they're finding themselves in? Yeah, I would say community is huge. Um, And just invest some time in yourself. Like learn what sets those things off. Like learn what foods you really want to enjoy and how to enjoy them well or what foods not to like, I think that was the biggest thing for me is learning. Like I'm okay with not, you know, doing what I normally did because I feel better when I take care of me. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, if I would say like the two or three biggest things is take care of yourself and have community and don't hide it. Like let people into the story that you're living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think um, a lot of times when we're walking through a struggle, we're so hesitant to want to share with others. And I, I, I think that's very intentional tactic of, of, of Satan because he wants us, he does his best work in isolation. And so if we don't let others in, he has free reign over our thoughts, over our struggles. But when we let others in, like you said, your spouse can see the good things in you. Your, your friends can see the good things in you. So when you need those reminders, their voices are there to be heard. One of the things that I love so much about Amanda is that she is willing to do anything for anyone at any given moment. I can, I have countless memories of times Amanda would show up in our life completely unexpected in a way that I'm like, how did she even make this thing happen? How is she here to support us through this situation? She would. And she does that for so many people in her life. It's not just us that get to experience that type of friendship. Um, But Amanda's always put herself last because she wants to love and serve others so well. And so I think that it's neat how you've kind of come full circle and realize that the only way for me to truly love and serve those around me is to take care of me. And it was through this hard diagnosis that God was like, you matter just as much. You have to make time for you. And I feel like that's been a huge breakthrough for you after baby number four is that you now know, like, there is no option. I have to take care of me. Like you said, in order, in order to get to the goal, I want to be around for grandbabies. So yes, I want to love and serve everybody else, but I've, I've got to take care of me because I matter just as much as anybody else. Anything else that you would like to share with women who are walking through a diagnosis of diabetes? Um, I would say don't give up. Don't limit yourself by a diagnosis and don't Stop doing the things that you love because there's still plenty of ways to go out and do those things. 
Psalms 23, that's, it's kind of been my new recently, like go to in that particular scripture that for me has hit home with diabetes because of the hills and valleys, because your blood sugar is a constant high and low. But the thing that keeps it stable is God in your life. He is walking with you, whether you're in a hill or a valley, your life is literally going to be up and down every day from moment to moment, but he's not going to change through those moments. I loved what you said there. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, thank you so much for being a God who will be there with us in the valleys and the mountains and every step in between. Thank you for the highs and lows that Amanda's experienced through her diabetes journey and the fact that she's known that you are with her. I pray that those listening, whether it's diabetes or something else, the highs and the lows that they're experiencing, that they know and feel your presence. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode. My prayer is that you are encouraged to continue to keep the faith in your messy middle moments and to share your testimony, his testimony of faithfulness. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and share this episode with a friend who may need that reminder to keep the faith. I'm always looking for testimonies to feature. If you'd like to share yours with me, email me at faithinthemessy at gmail.com. Until next week, praying for you and whatever messy moment you may be in.